Welcome to the Canvas Rebel Podcast, where we believe your story matters. Your viewpoint and your insights matter. In our view, there is far too much coverage of the trends that ivory tower professors and billionaire fund managers are seeing. What's the edge in hearing the billionaire consensus view over and over again? The edge comes from hearing new perspectives and new information, like from the wedding planner who's worked with hundreds of couples during the pandemic and has noticed that new couples are allocating significantly more of their wedding budgets on small details like personalized neon signs, or hearing from an accountant who's seeing how there is a huge uptick in e-commerce clients generating revenue from in-person pop-ups. Those sorts of insights are what Canvas Rebel is all about, and today, Madison is chatting with some of our content partners about trends and lessons learned. Content partners help us in so many ways from sponsoring our mission to spreading the word about the work that we do and collaborating with us on content like this. And so with no further ado, here's Madison with today's panel. Hi, everyone. My name is Madison. So excited to be back with another episode of our podcast, talking about the food industry, food dollars, building a brand and business around food. I am so excited to be diving right in. We have quite a few very unique niche markets all over the US here, and I'd love to get started with some introductions. So let's dive right in. I'm Morgan, My um, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia and I'm the owner of Morgan Creates, which is a food and lifestyle brand that helps people to feel, you know, complete with themselves, to take care of themselves from food to body. So we have body care, but we also have cookbooks. And I started my business by like just sharing videos on the internet and showing people how to make dishes within the comfort of their own spaces. I love that. Uh, My name is Ali. I'm based here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the owner, founder, chef, cook clean of uh, Rookie's Kitchen. It's a one-man show here. Uh, shop is located here in East Atlanta Village. Uh, we do Ethiopian food, but Ethiopian food in a quite different way than most are used to. Uh, it's in a bit of street food fashion. So I'm located um, in a food hall in the village, as we call it here in Atlanta. And um, yeah, I've been in operations for about uh, nine months now. started back in June uh, out of the passion of just cooking and the love of, uh, you know, my Ethiopian culture and also bringing that into, uh, you know, a place where I'm very prideful of, you know, my Atlanta roots. And yeah, Yeah. so. I love that. So we'll start. (laughs) So this is Shudipto and this is my wife. Chendali. And together we own a food services company called Hunger Square LLC. We have a restaurant near the Grand Canyon, the only Indian restaurant, uh, which is called Hunger Square. And besides this, we do a lot of large scale catering along with craft service and food supplies for a lot of film and television units in the Phoenix area. Right on. Hi, I'm Charlie DeSando. I say uh, very much tongue in cheek that I'm an internationally known YouTube chef. Because I have a handful of followers in Australia and Asia, Africa, UK, and and a lot here in the US. Uh, But what I really am is a, uh, when I say a professional eater and an amateur chef, um, I do do have a YouTube channel and I have a companion website, um, cookingsecretsformen.com. And that website, for some unknown reason, is ranked in the top 20 men's cooking websites on the internet and even more shockingly i'm ahead of alton brown so 
I'm not sure how that happened with his millions and millions of followers in my little channel, but um, I enjoy um, what I do is I teach um, easy methods for most average cooks, learn the secrets that that I've kind of uh, come to know over the, my years of raising my two boys with my wife as a, as a real job. So yeah. um, <laughs> I'm retired and this is what I do now. Wonderful. Hi guys, um, my name is Sharon Pajob. So I'm located in Dallas, Texas, and I'm a private chef. So pretty much I focus on hosting cooking workshops and private dinners. Um, I have like a 12 set up menus that you can choose from. So you can choose how you want to learn to do it. If I got you the whole night and then you guys enjoy the dinner or I cook for you, you guys just have fun. And I'm also I'm a coffee producer. I have a small coffee business, which is a cold brew concentrated to make cocktails. So I have a couple of restaurants in Dallas that I offer this. And you can enjoy like espresso martinis, carajillos, or any kind of cocktail base with coffee. Wonderful. Well, let's dive right in. I would love to know, have each of you been called to a career in the food industry? And what has that journey looked like for you? Feel free to just chime in, whoever wants to go first. I can go first. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. Um, I mean, it was kind of like um, always knew that I wanted to cook, uh, but um, I'm from Venezuela. So um, my family at the beginning was like, no, cooking is for men. It's not for girls. So you cannot go to culinary school. And I was like, okay, fine. And then I went to journalist school. So I did my first degree there. But in my country, it's... Um, private school culinary school there so you can apply but only they give 24 spot by year so the first year that i apply i couldn't get in and then the second year i get it so that was kind of like my last call like okay i got the spot i'm going to this journey and that was in 2010 and since that day until now i just been cooking and enjoying all the aspects like from regular cook, pantry cook, or to executive chef, and now doing um, my own business as a private chef. Wonderful. Um, so we are co-founders of Hunger Square, uh, like we already said. I have been passionate about food forever since I was 14 years old, and I have dabbled in uh, food in different areas. I I'm a, a registered dietitian, so I kind of have my profession uh, linked to my passion as well. Yeah. Um, the primary reason, the calling that you said uh, is <clears throat> we were never happy with the Indian food that is served in um, the Western world, uh, which includes Europe and North America. Uh, we just felt like we could be honest ambassadors of the Indian food and we wanted to serve what we eat at home. And that is what um, uh, gave us the seed to start Hunger Square. And we, we have been able to do that. We uh, use recipes from our grandmas and mothers and aunts and stuff that we grew up on, not the typical restaurant stuff. So I think the calling was exactly uh, being the correct food ambassador for our country. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. So um, this has already paid dividends for me because I've already gotten a follower on Instagram from this uh, podcast. <laughs> Thank, you, Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Um, so. Um, this is, as I mentioned, this is what I'm doing in retirement. But, um, you know, I worked as a technical recruiter most of my working years. I retired last year. 
And I've been in and around restaurants my entire life. My parents owned restaurants in my hometown of Washington, D.C. Uh, when I was growing up in well, a long time ago. Um, so I worked in country clubs uh, growing up in not both high school and college. Worked my way through when I was in school. Did everything. I started a dishwasher, busboy. Uh, I was a waiter, bartender. I was a maitre d'. I cooked tableside. I worked in the snack bar. I worked uh, the grill. I, you know, this whatever. I was always comfortable in the kitchen because that's how I grew up. And uh, my boys are the second two boys that are around thirty, both very comfortable in the kitchen. Um, and this is just this is a fun thing for me, it's, and it's just a passion that I'm following. And it's more of an avocation rather than an occupation. I love um, that though. I'm not consumed by it. Um, since I'm retired, I've got, you know, I got time to do all different kinds of things. And this is just one of them, but it is something that I, as my mother used to say, my, my deceased mother, but she said, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am with this. Yeah, absolutely. So, my passion for cooking and love for food probably started in high school, uh, you know, living at home with my mom. Funny enough, uh, well, not funny, but my mom is a great cook, but I got tired of her food, eating it all the time in high school. So I was like, you know what? Let me get in the kitchen myself. So literally started with making hamburger helper, macaroni and cheese, yep. getting fancy with it, you know, <laughs> going, going, going crazy with the ramen noodles. Oh, yeah. And it kind of just followed its way through uh college with me you know you know summers was always barbecuing was always the man on the grill uh meal prepping you know everyone kind of knew i was a very dedicated like person when it came to food it's like always you know stayed at home ate dinner lunch whatever and uh you know that, that was always me and um you know here i am 15 later is i actually named the restaurant after my mom rukia short brookie and a lot of the recipes are from her with my own little twist. And, you know, prior to starting it, I did about eight years in the corporate industry, got burnt out, joined, joined the, the, the great resignation back in 2021 and just left my corporate job and, uh, you know, left it without a plan. And over, uh, you know, a course of about six months, I started to just figure out what I really wanted to do. And I knew that for me, um, cooking it was either going to be something in food or something in fitness which are two of the things i you know feel like i'm really passionate about and i just mm. gravitated towards the food so you know one thing turned to another uh you know being here in that land we have a huge ethiopian population but i've always felt like the restaurants here uh you know they were good but as far as the experience goes uh it's, it's a bit intimidating you know you, you walk in you probably see pages of, of, of stuff on the menu and you know, you sit down and eat with big trays and you really just don't know where to start. So I kind of took that, um, you know, some of our staple items that we do serve, mastered them and just serve a handful of items here at my restaurant, but in a way that's very, uh, very inviting, less intimidating. So, you know, you come in and you're, you're probably choosing only from about three or four options. I make it easy, but I make it good. And, mm. uh, so yeah, so that's, uh, my story. That's amazing. So I would say my my passion for food probably started when I was in college just because I got sick of eating at on campus. <laughs> and, and then the food, I just felt like the food was making me sick. And so 
I, for a long time, when I was little, I never liked to cook. Cooking was always very intimidating to me. And I never wanted to go in the kitchen with my mom to learn. But as I got to college, then I realized like I have to learn how to cook for myself because I can't continue eating this food. And I was just getting bored of the same meals over and over every week. And so that's where my passion kind of um, started to learn. And it was intimidating for me at first, but I started as the more I, I worked with my mom and practice and I was able to feed all of my college friends. I feel like I was able to be like a master kitchen chef um, for what the resources that I had in college. And so that kind of extended on as I grew up and to become a young adult. And um, I wanted to make cooking more fun for people so that I feel like when you make it more fun, it's less intimidating. And like Charlie said, I would consider myself a professional eater because I like to eat. I I haven't always liked to cook, but I definitely like to eat. And I don't definitely think that food is like one thing that all people have in common universally. You Absolutely. have to eat to live in in wherever you are. And so uh, why not make that fun sharing a meal with a friend? And I feel like it just it's a lot of benefits for outside of nutritional benefits from cooking at home, from socializing and just building a community. And so that's where my passion has um, is grounded in and just making it fun, making it accessible for people who don't have it and just um, connecting with other people around that. It's an yeah. easy, easy networking thing where you can say, you know, what's your favorite food? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Food connects us all. You're absolutely right. A few of you already touched on this a little bit, but I'm excited to dive more in depth. How have you been able to develop a brand or a business surrounding your passion for food? How were, how were you able to monetize that? I can go first again. <laughs> well, when I start, I moved here to Dallas six years ago. So um, I just recently had a baby at the time in 2017 mm -hmm. and I was at home and I'm a really a workaholic person. I was like, I need to do something. I need to do something because I can't just stop being here. Um, so I found a website called cozymeal.com, which is a pretty much a marketing place for chefs. So you build your profile there and you put your menus, everything is on you. Pretty much what they do is just the marketing. So that was my way for me, kind of like, okay, cool. I can work on my own hours. I can put the hours of the days that I'm available. I can put a range price. Um, of course, the website take uh, percentages of the reservation, which is amazing because at the end, they do a lot of work that I can't do myself. Like I don't right. have the time or I don't have the tools to do the marketing. I'm not a, a professional on that side. So I just kind of like leave that in that website. And that's how the way that, after five years, now I have pretty much a portfolio of clients. They have they they know me the first time through that website, and they now mm. they continue to hire me here and there for parties, for dinner, for cooking classes, um, or even for the coffee too. So it was kind of like building it, you know, little by little, you finding the tools that I don't have or I don't have how to use it. Um, and then kind of like find a way just to make a living out of that. Uh, but big part was community too, because for example, when I, when the pandemic hit, of course it was not cooking class or dinners that no one wanted to do because everybody yeah. was locked down. So that's why the, when the coffee business come up for me, so that's when I started doing it and I built it on Instagram pretty much. I just kind of like <laughs> opened the website and Instagram and I was like, well, if this is, if this work, it worked. Like I'm, I'm just risking it. And people was coming to my building apartment to pick up the coffee 
And when everything starts open up, I was just doing pop-up. I'm still doing pop-ups here and there with a mobile coffee car. So it's just that. Pretty much it's just built by referral or people just kind of like cross the path with me. And yeah, it's kind of like word of mouth. <laughs> yeah, love that. That's amazing. So I'll go next. So for me, you know, over the years of, you know, cooking for people, whether it, it's a barbecue, cookout, dinner party, you name it, you know, people have always complimented my cooking. So I kind of knew that the product was there. Uh, and then when, when it came to monetizing, <clears throat> especially in today's world, uh, as we can see with a lot of big brands an experience sales, uh, I, I think I walked into a T-Mobile store the other day and it was just way nicer than what I thought it would, uh, than I thought, you know, it was years before it. Yeah. And a lot of it is because like, you know, the experience is what the customer wants. And that'll, uh, that, that is what brings people in. So Absolutely. when I built, when I built my brand, I made sure that I focused, uh, you know, on not just the food, which I knew was there, but also, okay, you know, what, what is it like for the customer to walk in? Like, like, what are they doing besides just eating? So, yeah. you know, if you were to come, if you were to come to my restaurant, you know, you, I'm very, um, very intentional about the music I have playing, uh, you, you know, the, the, the crowd, I'm just trying to, you know, entertain if there is like an atmosphere in there. And also one of the biggest things is, you know, I'm, I'm right there cooking. You walk into the food hall, you know, my stove is right there. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a one man show. So, you know, I'm greeting you, I'm interacting with you, taking your order, I'm turning around and cooking it. So it's kind of like, a show and an experience that you see when you walk in there, you know, whether it's, you know, you hearing the music, seeing the people vibe or me cooking, you know, it's, it's more than just coming in there to grab a quick meal. You're there for, for a whole experience. So uh, yeah. I would say the experience is kind of where I was able to see that I could uh, definitely find a way to monetize. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I would say for me, uh, how I got into monetization was I when I started cooking, it was just mostly me sharing videos on my personal like Instagram. But then I started to pick up traction where a lot of people would DM me and ask me for recipes like over and over. And even my friends would ask me for recipes and it was just getting a little bit overwhelming, but it was exciting. So one of my friends was like, well, maybe you should write everything down in a cookbook and sell it. And I was like, oh, I can never do that. I don't even know the first <laughs> publishing or and when I, the idea started in 2018, and it's really how I started my business. But when the pandemic happened, I, I have a background in HR so, and I'm still in HR. So I've been working in this field for like 12 years now. But mm -hmm. when the pandemic happened, I had started working remote and I had a lot of time. So like in Atlanta, if you've ever been, the traffic is horrible. So that time that I would spend commuting, I kind of used that time that I saved from basically having a very flexible schedule now. Um, and my work shifted and I actually like transitioned into the tech world and the company that I work for is very supportive of, of my, my endeavors oh, and, they promoted within, and that's very rare. So it yeah. everywhere. So that was, you know, motivating to continue on. And so I, you know, kind of like, uh, Ali said a one man person where I'm doing everything from the print, finding the printing, sourcing the printing, the binding, getting a copy editor, getting everything. <laughs> and I use, you know, what I made from my job to fund my dream. And then once I started my Shopify store, I put my book on sale for pre-sale because I was a little nervous about like launching something, never having done this. And I did really, really well. Like I sold a hundred books in one month without having a physical product. And wow. it wasn't a 
cheap project to fund either. But oh, for sure. That kind of just kind of put a battery in my back and gave me a little boost of confidence to go after and and do this more. And so now my brand has expanded to the point where I've filmed and produced my own cooking competition show. So um, we're a 15 minute competition and two people go head to head using just a hot plate, just to show like in taking it from Instagram to something different to show people yeah. like you can do this in real time, not just watching my hands move. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of how I got into monetization and I was able to expand my product offerings from the book. Yeah. That's so fun. Oh, Morgan, we need to talk offline because um, a lot of what I do currently revolves around interviewing. Um, I get two different segments that I do. One is um, I have cooking with Milwaukee community leaders where I have leaders in the community to come and talk about their work in the community, um, their civic work, the nonprofits, whatever. Then they cook something. They're the cook. I'm the sous chef. And then we eat it. So it's like, a, uh -huh. you know, it's like something I don't have to do anything. Just sit there and throw a bunch of softball questions at them. But I've had the mayor on. I've had presidents of companies, CEOs, executive directors, but are all involved in trying to make Milwaukee a better city. But the thing I think would be interesting is on um, Mondays, I usually do a 4 p.m. live chat, which I can also pre-record, but I do it with, with YouTubers that I'm you know, friendly with and we talk, get a little more in depth and knowledgeable. And I love your idea about a cooking competition because that's um, something that a, a buddy of mine who's a YouTube chef has also thrown out. It says we, we should cook side by side. So I'd like to talk to you about that and I'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk. Um, but in terms of monetization, uh, as I mentioned, I, 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 I'm retired now, but my wife kind of pushed me in the, in this area. She said, you know, when you retire, you got to do something, <laughs> okay. um, not just sit around the house and, you know, wait for me to come home. Uh, she's got a, she's, she's a, got a very high power job. So she said, well, you, you like to cook and you like to write. So why don't you write the, your a cooking blog? I said, okay. So I started that. And then my son said, dad, the money's in YouTube. So you got to make YouTube videos. I said, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and the, I, so I did, but the first few were horrible. Um, so they got a little more, you know, like my phone would um, would freeze because it got so hot over a hot stove looking down, it would just the phone would stop and I would have <laughs> recording. Um, so, you know, fast forward of, you know, six, seven years of where I am now, monetize, monetize on YouTube, um, which allows me to be a little more, um, I guess, introspective on in some of the things that I do. Um, you know, that the cooking with community leaders is something I'm passionate about because it's, um, you know, Milwaukee is actually a very poor city and trying to shine a light on people who want to make a difference in our community. And then it's serious people with serious jobs having a little fun. Yeah. So, I love that. I love that. So Morgan, we'll, we'll figure out, I want to definitely chat with you and see if you can get you to come on and we can chit chat about stuff. Yeah. So uh, we will um, talk about a bit of uh, the monetization technique that uh, we did was so between me and Chetali, she is more the woman uh, standing with the cooking thing because, uh, <laughs> and since I come from an advertising background, I literally uh, take care of more of the operational and marketing aspect of it. 
Mm-hmm. However, one thing which we realized in this business is that your product should talk. Whatever you can do, your marketing gig or whatever, your final product should talk. So, a the your hero is the product, but however, you need to have a marketing thing uh, to get because when we started our restaurant, you know, our we started with a uh, ghost kitchen and we were doing only five to six meal boxes a day. which even surely with very active and aggressive marketing and like you uh we, the only thing we didn't have um, much of a marketing spend so we were just uh relying on instagram and facebook and like morgan said that uh, word of mouth word of mouth is extremely important absolutely so, so that helped us a lot to get the traction from the ghost kitchen which in you know which eventually we graduated from the ghost kitchen to the restaurant and then to the catering and the craft service part of it yeah. so marketing uh, along supported with the right kind of product giving the right kind of quality and the value for money i think that helps you to monetize a bit in the business yeah definitely and i would like to also add i think is that what we when we start off we were very sure in our minds is that uh, we wanted to build a brand mm-hmm. and because he comes from the marketing background he is the brand builder he has built brands uh, back in india and when i think of brands it is about trust right so yeah. when you pay the money to you already know what you're getting into and you already know why you're paying the price um even if it's premium and we were very sure that we will have a premium pricing um so our strategy was um premium pricing so that we already filter out people who are looking for cheap deals because uh, since all of us right now are in the food industry we are talking food and we are talking food dollars we know that in order to Uh, keep the keep the trust in your brand your food has to be impeccable and it has to be real it has to be honest and honest food dollars come at a premium yep so if i um we were very sure we will never have a buffet we were very sure we are not going to have cheap items so we sourced our own items and i think that started showing in our food and that mm. helped us build the trust and the trust helped us build the brand love that very well said my next question i would love to know what each what sets each of you apart from others in an oversaturated market i will say on my end is just the personalized experience you know mm-hmm. i i think that what maybe a stand up my services is just like i work one on one with the client or what they are looking for what they like what kind of food and then from there even when i have menu set for coffee or for the food it just kind of like i always go like a little questionnaire when i met the client like okay what what is your preference what you like the most what seasons you like these and there what how, how you eat your meat stuff like that so i just think it's just the customized experience mm-hmm. on my end I would say for my business I think um there's a lot of people that do cooking videos on social media and things like that and and I will say I will f- I feel in or I fit in with that category as well but 
I think for my brand, it's not just focused on food. It's more so focusing on the person and what you can do for yourself to make yourself feel good. So food is a part of that. And like I, I said this before, but, you know, when my business, we show people how to show up for themselves. So whether that is through food, whether you need to light a candle to relax, whether you need a body scrub to just decompress or soak in a bath salt, that is what my brand brings to you. It's anything that you can do within your own space. So like we have the cookbooks, we have the cutting boards, we have things that you can use in your kitchen, but we also have the products that you can use for self-care. And I think food is a part of self-care because some people, you know, have struggle in that area and caring for themselves with what they consume. But I would say holistically, I think what sets me apart is that it is it's food, but it's also those other components as well. So lifestyle. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Mine will probably, you know, definitely be the experience, which I touched on in the last question. But also part of it is is, is what, uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but Sudeeptu and his his wife talked about was was premium products. Um, a lot of the stuff that I use is the stuff that I will eat myself and feed my family uh, or my mom. And I think a lot of people tend to go cheap when it is, you know, trying to run a business efficiently, which I get, uh, you, you have to have something that's going to make sense. But, um, a lot of what I do offer people is very quality ingredients, quality products. And even when it comes to prepping the stuff, um, a lot of it, you know, is, is I'm, I'm kind of, you know, getting down on my knees and, and doing the scrubbing and, and, and really caring about, what goes into that part because that that's most of the work i mean coming in and cooking it, it is a part of it but a lot of it is, is is what happens behind the scenes and uh just to give you a good example you know uh we have a stewed lentil dish that you can find at almost any ethiopian restaurant and the thing you know with people who have cooked lentils uh you know you have to wash them you know you kind of have to wash your, your, your batch of lentils a couple times just to uh clean them and you can definitely tell, or I guess I can, uh, if I uh, have eaten some lentils that haven't been cleaned because I'll get like heartburn, some sort of indigestion. And I can actually feel when, you know, those lentils that I've eaten are not, uh, you know, prepped properly. So I really make sure that, um, you know, what I'm serving you is stuff that I literally have kind of put my heart into to, to, yeah. to serve you and, and actually caring about it and giving you stuff that I eat almost every day so amazing well, i think part of what i do that the one of the, my original thesis for starting the my website was that 77 i think someone had mentioned this earlier for 77 percent of the chefs and restaurants in america are men but most men don't cook you know they, they can slap a piece of steak on a grill um you know they can microwave stuff but the the cooking skills are lacking for majority of men who aren't chefs. So what I wanted to do was take some of the information that I gleaned cooking for my boys growing up, you know, some of the shortcuts, because, you know, no one wants to spend hours in the kitchen. You know, I'm, I'm really not trying to reinvent the wheel. I, yeah. you know, I just, I'm not trying to be anything other than me. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we have some um, kind of a cadre of YouTube chefs that are very friendly. We're on each other's uh, live chats and podcasts. Um, and 
what comes through is the people who are more um, unique and themselves, as opposed to trying to be something, are the ones who are a little bit more successful and can relate to their audience. Because we're really not competing with each other. Because it's not like you can only listen, you can only view one YouTube channel. I mean, you, can, right. you, know, you know, so there's not a competition and there's a yeah. lot of helping. There's a lot of information that flows. So we kind of help each other as a community to grow and to think about things. And, you know, I get tips from everybody. You know, I'm, my videos are a little goofy because I'm a little goofy. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I have bloopers at the end of most of my videos because I just don't take myself that seriously. And I know, love I just, that. You know, I, I drop stuff. I last video I did with one of the community leaders, there was a dog barking in the lobby of our building and I had to stop. And, you know, so I show that at the end that, hey, you know, we had to um, kind of stuff. So <laughs> um, I just I love to this is something I love to do. It's very fun. I like to eat as Morgan has, you know. My what my motto on my aprons is I love to eat, therefore I cook. Um, <laughs> but um, so I just trying to be me uh, and just putting out what I think I like. Yeah. Um, and not trying to put out what I think someone else will like. I think has allowed me to prosper um, over the last couple of years when I've started to do this as more of a full time as opposed to a part time. Yeah, love that. Um, so, uh, if I understand correctly, the question is, how do we um, create a niche in uh, an overabundant market or overexploited yes. market, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> so, um, fortunately for us, I think the decision when we uh, made the decision to have a food business, uh, we had started in a city. But uh, we chose to go brick and mortar in uh, near the Grand Canyon, like 45 minutes from the Grand Canyon in a small little pit stop town called Williams in Arizona. So the way I want to put it is that we were not in an oversaturated market. We were we walked into a gap that existed for 25 years. Wow. So 25 years, there was no Indian restaurant but not just Indian restaurant, it was also about having vegan and vegetarian and plant-based options in a town, which is a redneck town. Mm. So, so when, and because Grand Canyon happens to be inviting a lot of hikers and a lot of uh, um, athletes who come to relax there, a lot of camping, glamping, uh, you know, all kinds of outdoor activities, typically, um, what happens is uh, with with current day uh, health information, everybody wants to go vegan plant based and uh, Williams was not ready for it. So the only option for you would be a salad. Um, that is where I think we were able to bridge the gap that existed for 25 years and we had those options of uh, plant-based, vegan, and vegetarian. And we also had very, very typical home-based, um, home-cooked style um, Indian food, mm. which if you think about it, um, all Indian restaurants in America, they are trying to serve you restaurant food. 
which we really don't eat at home we were the only ones who were serving food that we eat at home so yes. when you're tired and your kids are crying at the end of the day after uh, you know they're tired they're crying they're sleepy and even you are uh, exhausted i think that is when something comforting and home cooked and you know like uses of less spices not overwhelming in color texture and flavor um is very welcoming and that is how we like to eat and that is what we started serving and i think that was what um clicked and we were able to be successful in our business within a week which is which is um uh, which is really really important because um when we uh, have to when we think about business restaurant business most people we think about uh, cities and what ends up happening is that for example just throwing out numbers that you get 25% of a market um but then when you choose your niche and you know what location you're taking um we went from being 25% uh, of a 100% market to going 100% of a 25% of market mm. so we, we created our niche right there that anybody coming through northern arizona will have to stop at our place yeah that kind of god is going and that is the secret of our success i'll say and given a choice again i will pick up another location another place where there is a gap already and and i would love to do it in remote places and um, city already has a lot of choices is the remote places that don't and i think i thrive there interesting that's amazing Well my last question before we wrap up for today this is a fun one describe the best meal you've ever ate and what made it so memorable This is not a play a dish that I made um I went to a restaurant in Austin and they made a carbonara pasta but uh, it was out of this world like it was a small like a small portion like this and all round with the sauce and not overwhelming at all and th- that's a small restaurant kind of like it's not fancy at all um it's not high end it's just a normal restaurant look with local chef for Austin but uh, they were doing everything a la minute there in front of you pretty much you see that the counter bar and then you order your pasta and then kind of like put the fresh pasta to like everything right at a la minute And carbonara pasta is just a really simple it's just like a sauce made with egg yolk, cheese, basil, pepper, sweet pea and guanciale and that's it. It's not nothing major, it's not any protein or, or or something big there. But there like a sitting there just watching this chef kind of like do everything at a perfection uh with fresh ingredient is just something they just kind of like okay that that's the service that i want always to provide to yeah. because that's what the client is going to remember not only the deliciousness of the flavor but the how passionate or how focused you are doing like ali was saying like he just serves things that he likes to cook so you can see that when you see the chef cooking so mm-hmm. that carbonara pasta changed my <laughs> my my yeah. vision with other chefs too yeah That's a tough question because I love like my favorite pastime is restauranting so I love to I love a good experience but I also like having meals with friends too. Yeah. So I'll focus on like the the 
the best meal, the most memorable meal recently is I went to like a tapas restaurant. I think it was like a Thai sushi restaurant and everything from the ambiance. It was very fun. It, it was very intimate and the service was great, but also the dishes were great and it was small plates so that you didn't feel like, I don't know if anybody's ever been to the Cheesecake Factory where the menu was like 30 Ugh. pages and everything is like huge on these big plates. So you can't finish it all. But this place, the, the portion size were small enough so that we can all share and get a good taste for what the dish was. But having a meal together and every and it's very rare that I go somewhere where everything is good that I've ordered and mm. I have that experience. And so when I have those experiences, like euphoria because I yeah, like definitely. and it made me want to spend more money and keep coming back and I've been yes back people back so I feel like that was my most memorable dining experience that love was that memorable. so I would say the only reason this was the best meal was because it was the most memorable uh it was a couple ramen noodles I was on probably like a seven to eight hour hike I was in Guatemala about two years ago and we hiked up one of the most active volcanoes there uh, called, uh, I think it was Asitenago, a very treacherous hike, probably eight hours long. And we got to the top and I remember it was cold, it was raining, but we were dehydrated, we were tired, we were just kind of snacking on food all day, didn't even have a proper breakfast. Uh, I remember the night before I missed out on dinner because everything shut down in the town so early. So I was just food deprived and i remember getting to the top of this mountain or this volcano and they served us this very uh warm cup i mean we, we had boiled some water over a fire and poured it over a cup of ramen and i don't know if it was a sodium that just you know was was just linked with my you know thirst and dehydration or if it was the warmth of that cup but like that was probably one of the most memorable meals i've had and it was because of just everything that was involved yeah. in that whole experience so yeah that's a couple so ramen cool for me. yeah um, great story one of the things that i like to do and i've done for many years is so if i go to a restaurant and i really like something then i want to recreate it um and several dishes that i do all the time are things that i did i saw at a restaurant and thought it was lovely it was just great um in some cases and this is more recently since i've had my uh, website and YouTube channel, I'll call the chef and say, can you give me the recipe, how you made this? Because I would like to recreate it on my channel. And most times they will do that. And they're very, you know, you know, I do it and I send them the link and then they watch it. And um, it's, it, it's, I mean, I've, I, I, I hate to think how many times I've done that because it probably, you know, bugs the chefs to have somebody call them in the kitchen in the middle of the day and say, Hey, how'd you make that? Um, <laughs> but my most memorable meal this is not even you know, not even close so i was in italy oh i don't know maybe about 10 years ago uh we were staying in Lucca, which is a great little town in tuscany and we were up in the mountains um well, out of town it wasn't inside the wall but uh called fatteria meonchi um which is a working farm fatteria's uh, farm um and it's uh they still there it's like a, a villa that 17th century i guess um, still produces wine, um, huge vineyards as far as you can see, and then olive trees for they make uh, extra virgin olive oil. So I, I, we were down in kind of a basement area, which the, the walls were block brick. So it's probably a wine cellar at some point or some sort of storage area. 
but it was just, it was wonderful. And the first thing I had, and I looked on the menu and said, okay, I got to order this, was lardo, which is literally a slice of lard with their um, homemade olive oil on top of it. It was one of the most fabulous things I've ever eaten. Wow. And then the second thing that the preemie was um, an aubergine souffle. Aubergine is eggplant. And it was the lightest, fluffiest. Most of I've tried to recreate it a million times and have never even come close. I mean, not even <laughs> in the same stratosphere. It was so wonderful. And then wow. um, for the week they were there, I'd been looking to have wild boar. And I had a, um, a ragu di uh, chingale, which is wild boar. Uh, and it was just, it was so, so delicious. And I'm sure I had dessert. I have no idea what it was. Because after those first three dishes, I was, you know, I would have eaten, uh, you know, cardboard. It was just so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, does it necessarily have to be a dine-out experience or just a memorable meal? Just a memorable meal, however you interpret that. Yes. So I would uh, like to, I think I will have three memorable meals. <laughs> One is definitely, definitely a river fish curry made the Indian Bengali style, which she makes, which is definitely a home cooked uh, meal. Uh, that would uh, be the first one. The second one would be, which you'll be on one of our trips to Thailand. It was inside a, a remote village. There was a small shack and there was this grandma and her uh, granddaughter. They were making the fresh Thai papaya salad, oh, wow. a fresh uh, Thai uh, fish curry. And I think the best part Thai we ever had globally. Wow. And the third one is an Ethiopian chicken curry. Very recently, our family friend got for us completely frozen her mother's recipe right from Haddis Ababa. Uh, it wow. was the best Doro Award we ever had. So yeah. these are... So I would like to request... Ali, that if we are ever in that part of the country, we would like to definitely visit and have, you know, the real deal of the Ethiopian food. <laughs> well, you're in for a treat because one of the offerings, one of the few offerings I do have on my menu is an Ethiopian chicken curry. So um, yeah. if you are ever in Atlanta or if any of you are, definitely one of my best sellers. So good to, it's good to hear that. Yeah, I think for me, if I can share my memorable experience when I was putting these questions together, I was like, oh, this this is cool. Um, I will admit I am a terribly picky eater. Um, I have the eating habits of like a 10-year-old kid. We're working on it. I'm trying to become more adventurous and try new things. I'll try anything once, but if I have it a second time, that's the real question. But I was actually, um, I had the honor of traveling to Morocco for a photography job last year. And Moroccan food is something that initially was absolutely terrifying to me as somebody who eats grilled cheese and Caesar salad every day. I was, I was a little hesitant to go to a brand new country and try all of their food and immerse myself in the culture. But we actually were able to do a cooking class at the Riyadh that we were staying at and learn how to make some of the traditional Moroccan dishes 
one of which is the chicken tagine, which is cooked in the ceramic, almost like cone-shaped pots. And all of us in the group that were traveling together got to see how it was made and put it together ourselves and then enjoy that with all of the staff who was working and serving us at the Riyadh, which was just so amazing. Of course, I was very nervous, but because I cooked it and I got to participate in that process, of course, I ended up loving it and it was fantastic and, and such a memorable experience. But sometimes the best meals are those that are shared with with friends and with family and, and meaningful chefs or people um, and not so much the the food itself. It's just the experience for sure. Well, thank you all so much for your time today. This was such a wonderful conversation and I am just so excited to continue to connect and see what this year has in store for each of you and your food businesses. Thank, thank you for doing so this. Thank you. Thank yes, you. amazing.